On this week's episode, we sit and talk with Martin Lewison, also known as Professor Roller Coaster. He's ridden over 2,000 roller coasters and he doesn't count the powered ones. This is Coffee with Coaster Bro. What's up, everybody? This is Coffee with Coaster Bro. A little bit different of a show this week. As many of you know, I've been out of town riding roller coasters along the East Coast. Got to meet Airtime Mike for the first time. And while we were going to record at King's Dominion to have an in-park show, uh, we decided, you know what, let's just hang out and enjoy each other's company, and I'm glad we did that. So as a really fun replacement, I had a conversation Back in the wintertime with Martin Lewison, he asked, Hey, I want to be on a roller coaster podcast. I said, Hey, I have a roller coaster podcast. We connected over Twitter and uh, we're going to record a segment. We got to talking and boy, did we talk. We talked a long time and had some good conversation. Martin is a really interesting coaster enthusiast. He's a professor at Farmingdale State College where he actually gets to teach about amusement parks and roller coasters. As of February, when we had this conversation, he was at 2,240 different roller coasters, not counting the powered coasters, which I respect a whole lot. He's been in New York Times. He's been quoted on CNN. It's just a genuine, flowing conversation of two roller coaster enthusiasts nerding out. Welcome to the show. We've got a guy named Dr. Roller Coaster, been featured in the New York Times, been featured on Great Big Story. And is a big part of IAPA. Runs a symposium there. Over 2,000 credits. Bit of a legend here. We've got Martin. How you doing, Martin? I'm pretty good. How are you, Caleb? Doing good. That's quite the resume for um, coming on a podcast. I'm, I'm surprised we, we got you on. I was really excited. You tweeted out that you um, you wanted to be on a podcast. Drew, the intern, sent me a DM. It's like, you need to talk to this guy. And uh, here we are, so... Thank you, Drew, the intern. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here. You've got this title, Dr. Roller Coaster. How did you get that title? Actually, what does that even mean? Actually, it's Professor Roller Coaster. Professor, I'm, that's on me. I'm, I'm sorry. Sure there's a, I'm sure there is a Dr. Roller Coaster out there. <laughs> and I don't want to I don't want to step on their toes. Right. We <laughs> that would be bad. Yeah, I got a uh so I got a call one day or what an email or a call one day from a from a journalist at the New York Times uh, Corey Kilgannon and he has a beat where he basically finds New Yorkers who have you know weird hobbies or have weird you know just oddball aspects of their life right and he wanted to uh he wanted to interview me for an article <laughs> and I uh and I you know I so I've been quoted a bunch of times. Like I, I, I ended up tweeting back and forth with a journalist at the LA Times. Okay. Uh, and his name is Hugo Martin. And Hugo Martin, for years and years, and this is weird. Oh, anyway, there's a whole, but there's a bunch of weird stuff. But I don't want to. It's very easy to get, for me to get distracted and get into the weeds, you know. <laughs> hey, but, we're, we're okay with that. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, anyway, Hugo Martin. This uh, he was doing travel and business uh, travel and business stories at the L.A. Times, and he also had the Disneyland beat, oh. not like Disney corporate and the Hollywood stuff, but he was he would cover every major Disney story, Disneyland, yeah, Disneyland Resort, okay. 
And he started, uh, so when he would report, he would start calling me and asking me for my take on whatever it was. A lot of stuff like related to price price changes and you know, this and that, like advertising in the parks, like any kind of sort of business aspect of the Disneyland parks operations. And so for a while there, he was quoting me like once a month on a Disney story. And that ended up, you know, other other journalists would see my name in stories and they would reach out. And so I started getting quoted in a bunch of dis- different papers. So I never called myself an expert, but these journalists started calling me an expert. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and then and then the other side of the story is that um, I was at a family. Uh, I was I was, you know, my wife has these friends and we were at her family's for some some holiday dinner. And one of her cousins, he writes articles for all those, uh, you know, like every college and university has their own magazine. Right. You know, so there's like Harvard Magazine and University of Michigan Magazine and, you know, you name it. So what this guy does is he finds alumni from these schools. Right. And then he will talk to them. And if there's something interesting about them, he'll pitch a story to the magazine where they went to school. Okay. And these magazines, you know, they buy stories from independent writers. Mm -hmm. And so he thought my wife and I traveling around the world, riding roller coasters was, was a pitchable story. So he went to our, our schools, you know, and we both, you know, we both have advanced degrees. So we have undergraduate and graduate schools. And, you know, my wife has, my wife is weird. You know, my wife went to law school and medical school, you know, anyway. (laughs) So, so anyway, he pitches all these stories and it was kind of funny because my wife's, my wife's schools, they weren't interested, but my schools were. So I, so they ended up, he ended up selling the story both to uh, Columbia magazine, Columbia university, and Mm -hmm. also to university of Pittsburgh magazine. Okay. So both of those magazines ran little pitch, ran little photos of us. And then it turned out that this Corey Kilgannon, the the journalist at the New York Times, he saw the Columbia article because he went to Columbia too. In okay. fact, the weird thing was that Corey Kilgannon and I were actually in the same class at Columbia. Like we were, we graduated the same year, but we didn't know each other. Anyway, he wants to write a story about me, and I was hesitant because. All the other articles was just me commenting on some story, mm-hmm. and this and these other these uh, these new articles were about me, and so, so I was like, you know, <laughs> like I I don't know, I don't want to. It's sometimes it's uncomfortable to have the spotlight on you. Yeah. Anyway, no, I get it. I broke down. He came to my class because I teach this theme parks class. We drove across the road. You know, we're we're literally my college campus is literally across the street from Adventureland in Long Island. Wow. In okay. Farmingdale, Long- yeah, I don't know. Have you ever been to that park? No, it's uh it's high on my list though. Oh yeah, it's uh three credits. There you yeah. go. Worth worth a visit. Um I'll do it. <laughs> right smack dab in the middle of Long Island. And like I said, like when I walk out, when I leave my office and walk out to my car, you know, I can see the uh you know, when it's dark, you know, they have the uh light package going on the uh on their new roller coaster and on their on their Ferris wheel. So wow. like it's all even at night, you know, even in the winter, you know, when the winter, when the park's not operating, it's all it's all blinky at night, you know. So oh. uh, and I've actually, you know, when I took when I started working at that school, 
I emailed the owners of that park and I said, look, I want you to know, like, I'm really interested in roller coasters and theme parks. And like, uh, I said, I'll be honest with you. One of the reasons I took this job is because you guys are across the street. So I want to, I want to hang around roller coasters all day. So anyway, <laughs> they were, they've been really nice. They've been guest speakers in my class. They're very nice and friendly people and they run a beautiful park. You know how, you know, these days, not so many parks are owned by individual families anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the smaller ones are, of course, and they are smaller. Right. But they, they, you know, they packed a lot of stuff into a small footprint and they're very popular and profitable. So they uh, and they, you know, they've got a custom mock spinner. So, I mean, wait, is that? Yeah. Four, uh, one, two, yep. three, three credits. OK. Um, yeah, they have a custom mock spinner. So, you know, uh, anyway, they're that's a great park. And. That's how I ended up being being called Professor Roller Coaster. Now, now, how do you get to the point where it's like you're you're obviously you're you're in higher ed and you and you teach these classes. How, how do you get to teach a roller coaster class? How does that just become a thing a at, at school? That's that's an excellent question. <laughs> so my so my PhD is in just in business man just business. Right. I got a PhD in business. From the University of Pittsburgh, they have the Katz Graduate School of Business. And uh, actually, that's one I, I would say, you know, I was always into roller coasters and when I as a kid in theme parks, but I didn't have my family was not like super into it. Right. So I know some kids are lucky because their family, all they do, you know, as they're growing up and just a message to you kids, start keeping track of your of your credit of your credits now. <laughs> so you're not wondering 20 years from now, like, uh, did I write that? What I write? Anyway, you know, take photos, keep evidence. Yep. So um, this is a message for you too, parents. <laughs> so I, I, but I, but I'm still lucky, you know, uh, I got to go to uh, Disneyland back in the late seventies as a kid once. Uh, uh, I wish my family had been better about taking photos and stuff like that, but I did, did go to Disneyland in the seventies. I went to Disney world early in the seventies. So I got to see magic kingdom, you know, before there was Epcot Wow. and then <laughs> Disneyland in the seventies. So I got to see the original, original, um, uh, uh, sorry. What's the, what's the famous parade with, with the, the lights. Um, is it the, uh, electrical. Thank you. Yes. I, so I got to see the ele original electric parade. Nice. You know, back in the seventies before LEDs and when the music was like, Whoa, what is this music? <laughs> and then uh and then I got to see Epcot in the early eighties, you know, when it was very new. So I got to see all those original rides. Right. And I and then um that was the early eighties. And then uh and then I kinda then they had the, the accident at, at uh Six Flags Great Adventure. And I did go to Six Flags Great Adventure also. Mm -hmm. That was that would have been my home park in the in the mid 70s. So I got right. to see that park in its earlier days um, and see some really cool attractions that are that are now long gone. But they had a very bad um, they had a very bad fire in oh. their haunted walkthrough. And I, I don't know if you've heard about this, but I don't think they, I have. Had a, uh, yeah, the Magic Castle, I think it was. It was really just a. I think it was like six or seven uh, tractor trailers, um, you know, stuck together as a, as the, oh. that was the walkthrough and yeah. they had a fire and, and, and uh, I, I don't know, like a dozen teenagers, you know, were, you know, oh my 
truly trapped. And I, yeah. and you know, and that, so that's when I was going to college and I, and I, and so I, I kind of stopped paying attention to theme parks at that point because I, you know, I didn't want to go somewhere and get killed. Right. But eventually I landed in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania mm. and ended up dating this girl who was really, really into amusement parks. <laughs> and she kind of rekindled something that I had always, always been interested in. Right. And she was, you know, she had been going to Kennywood her whole life. And she had, she, you know, she was the, she had a family that would go down to Disney world, you know, every year. So she was into it and I got into it. And fortunately my interest uh, uh, survived the relationship. <laughs> so, so I kind of stuck with it for, for a fair amount of time. And then got lucky the next decade with a marrying someone who who shared that interest. Wow! I, I wouldn't say it brought us together, but it was something that we discovered we had in common. So, a- anyway, and that's when things really began in earnest. So that that's when we started sort of a um, I don't know I don't know what to call it like a, an unhealthy um, travel schedule. So when you're a professor. You know, you teach classes generally at a school like mine, which is not a research school. It's more it's it's a teaching college. Mm-hmm. You know, my my school puts out bachelors, bachelor BS in, in business, uh, business management. And so I teach some basic business classes, you know, like principles of marketing right. and uh, strategic management for seniors, international marketing. And. They know my interests are in in theme parks. And also I before I took this job in Farmingdale, my last job before that was in the Netherlands. So I and I long story short, I wanted to go work in the Netherlands. I got a I got a job there. That was a that was a hotel and hospitality management college. Okay. Before that, I had been working on Wall Street. You know, so I took a break from academia. I was working on Wall Street and I was working on Wall Street right when the big financial crisis happened in the late 2000s. So 2008, 2009, I was working on Wall Street and it was a kind of a drag to work on Wall Street during that time because (laughs) Wall Street was basically imploding. Right. And I had been sort of unhappy on Wall Street even before all this happened not not that I hated it or anything like that, but I was I didn't feel I was growing or learning and anymore and stuff like that. So I was already thinking about going back into academia. And so I got a great opportunity to go teach basically finance and accounting at this at this college of, of hotel and hospitality administration in the Netherlands. So I took that job. My wife stayed at her job in New York. And she, you know, she makes enough money so that we were basically just flying back and forth between Amsterdam and New York, you know, a couple of times a month, both of us. Yeah. And, and that was, you know, that was kind of cool, you know, kind of jet setty, you know, getting out of, getting on a plane, going back to Europe, you know, (laughs) flying back to the States. Yeah. We would. So while we, when she was visiting Europe, we would jump off and check out all the theme parks in Europe. And then when I had the summer off and I was back in New York, we would fly around the States and score all the credits, you know, running around the United States during the summer. And that was great. Eventually it just got, you know, I'm getting old. So, you know, it got kind of exhausting, like doing a red eye 
mm-hmm. back to Amsterdam, you know, waking up on like four hours sleep and then you got to go teach a class. I mean, it just got old, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so eventually pulled up stakes, came back. And also, you know, having a marriage, you know, by con <laughs> by continental marriages, you know, has its issues. Right. Although we, we never, we were never apart for more than 12 days. We were pretty that's amazing about the travel. Yeah. So, so that's when I came back to, uh, that's when I came back to New York. But when, when I came back to New York, my wife was like, I don't want to lose my status on Delta. So like we kept, so we basically tried to keep the flying schedule going and we <laughs> have amazing. for the most part, obviously yeah. COVID COVID has been a major hiccup. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to your question, which I've managed to completely evade, <laughs> you know, now I'm, now I'm tenured, you know, I've been at Farmingdale state college is my 11th year. Yeah. And and they, they and they're looking for new programs to attract students, you know. So they, about you know a few years ago, they gave me this theme park. Uh, they basically said, "Do you want to teach a theme parks class?" Since we know you're, you know, because every time I get quoted in, in the in the newspaper, you know, it's Martin Lewis and Farmingdale State College. Yeah, and they're like, "That's cool," because because a lot of people haven't heard of Farmingdale State College. I know I hadn't. I yeah. hadn't heard of Farmingdale State College. I just saw a job listing. I was like, okay. That's <laughs> that's cool. in the general that's in the general uh, you know, geographic area that I'm looking for because I wanted to come back to New York. Yeah. And I got really lucky. I got this job and uh and anyway, and and since I've been there, the the business management department has expanded, which is great cuz now I'm like the senior old man. I was like the first hire yeah. back in 2012. Right. So anyway, so I'm now like the mentor for the younger faculty and stuff like that. So anyway, I've been able to teach this class. It's been a special topics class. So it's actually it's actually listed as special topics in management. Okay. And then then it has theme parks and tourism. So okay. now so but now we're now we're going to we're offering like a micro credential. The idea is to get new get new students in paying tuition. Right. Right. So because, <laughs> because, you know, the the um, the number of college age students in the United States is falling. Right. And that means colleges are becoming more competitive about trying to attract students mm-hmm. and they're doing more to like attract, you know, non-traditional students, you know, people that never got a college degree, trying to get them to come back, stuff like that. Right. And also covid and other things in the world you know have let's say diminished the um diminished the uh i don't you you know for for most of this for most of the last century being able to get a college degree was seen as a desirable thing right and now in many ways academia is being demonized in yeah. certain political settings and some people are saying and and of course out uh, you know for decades the 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 price of academia the price of attending college has gone up way faster than inflation right so a lot of people look at the they do the math and they're like i don't know if it pays for me to go deep in debt to get a college degree when it's not necessarily I, who knows if i'll get a job that pays enough to to pay off that debt you know so right. i think people who have a lot of money already you know they just do it because they can afford it and people Mm -hmm. who don't are now saying "Eh, i don't know if this is something i want to strive for anyway so that obviously those are issues that are facing the 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 the, uh the industry of higher education right so anyway so they asked me to put together 
a hospitality and tour, like a hospitality program, yeah. because that is one, that is one industry that is, is, has been on a growth path at least until COVID. Mm -hmm. And, and that industry, you know, tourism has been growing one out of every people on the globe is employed either directly or indirectly with on with tourism and i'm a big believer in more tourism yeah because i mean at least sustainable sustainable tourism because that's another right. issue yeah. um anyway so so a micro credential is basically it just has to be like three course it's one of those like get a little tag mm -hmm. for your linkedin you know page it's kind of like that okay. the idea is to get people to come in and then want to get a, a full bachelor's degree right um so anyway, so we're going to have like an, uh, so I just designed an introduction to hospitality course, a, a uh, event management for hospitality and tourism course. And then they let me slip my theme parks class in. So wow. now it's, it's uh, theme parks and attraction management. So anyway, cool. they, so they let me teach it. And, and, you know, it's really just a matter of, do we have enough students to make it pay? So, yeah. yeah and, I, and uh, this, you know, so far, the class fills every semester. So I've been, I've been teaching it once a year. So just either, either fall semester or spring semester. Mm -hmm. This is the first year I've been, I've taught it in the fall and the spring. Oh, so nice. maybe it's getting more popular. Here's the thing though, Caleb, it's not, if I had a class full of people like you, it would be the best class ever in the universe, <laughs> but it's not, it's just not, we're not in, you know, if you go to Orlando, if you go to the University of Central Florida, mm -hmm. Those the people in the Rosen School of Management who are taking the tourism and theme parks management stuff, you know, they're all like you. They want to yeah. be in the theme parks. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know much about you, but you're, you're right. You know, though. These are people who love theme parks. They want to talk about theme parks all day. They want to design new theme parks. They want to become engineers for theme parks. They want to, you know, they want new theme parks to open. They care. They want to spend. That's what they spend their energy on. Yeah. And, you know, and people come from all over the country to Orlando to do this mm -hmm. and it makes perfect sense people do not come to farmingdale new york in right. the middle of long island because they're interested in theme parks it's it's a it's a four-year college but it's really a commuter school i mean it's yeah. it's not a you know it's not a it's not a community college right but it's also not a it's not a residential college right like you don't have people coming from all over the country living in dorms mm -hmm. going to class every day these right. are people who and and my students they're smart you know but they're not they're not from the higher socioeconomic levels so they're coming to school going to class and then they leave school to go work at their job mm -hmm. because they have to pay for their car and they have to pay for their car insurance and probably they have to you know they live with their parents and they probably have to help their parents out with some expenses in some cases you know it's just not so so these are just ordinary people who don't like most of my students have never been to Disney world. Wow. They don't know what Disney world is. And so I'm sitting there. And so something that might get you really excited yeah, and me really excited. I, I, I can't. And, and you know what? I'm not Mickey mouse. So I can't get them all hyped up. You know, I can show them videos. <laughs> you know, I can assign them YouTube videos, but right. it's just not the same. Right. It's just not the same when you have like, Oh, I got to pay bills, you know, on the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. So it's, I, so it, it makes me realize what a privileged position 
many of us are to even be able to be into this at all. It's true. And and so I try to get them excited and I try to get them to, I, I even, I, I try to get them to, uh, you know, I, do you know about IAPA's in, in, sorry, the IAPA ambassador program? I do. Yes. Okay. So I have tried to get my students to even just apply to do yeah. the ambassador program and they, and it's, it's hard to get them to apply. Mm -hmm. And I've only had two students actually apply, but it's so competitive because they only take 25 every it's year. True. Yeah. And they, and they have people apply from all over the world. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, someone who's been to like, someone who knows theme parks, someone who's been working in, working in hospitality and guest service management for their whole lives and understands all that stuff and is really professional and well-spoken and knows how to put themselves together. You know, that person's going to have a big advantage over my student who's maybe, you know, working 40 hours a week, you know, at the local Italian restaurant, they just don't have the same polish. Right. So I, unfortunately, uh, I, I, so I had one student, she was working at Adventureland. She got it. And oh, I had cool. another student <laughs> who was a big theme park guy. He got it. And they made it to like the next round, but they, you know, they got cut eventually because mm -hmm. as I said, it's so, it it's so uh, competitive, but any, and, and even though when you go on the ambassador program, they pay for your housing, you yeah. know, you don't have to pay for housing. They pay for your meals or you get a per diem, right? right. You get to spend the whole week with leaders in the industry, with leaders in IAPA. And the only thing you have to pay for if you're a student is to, uh, go to, um, you have to pay for your airfare, you know, you have to get yourself to Orlando. Mm -hmm. And so I told my students, if you get in, I'll pay your airfare. I said, oh, wow. I'll pay your airfare. okay. <laughs> yeah. And like, and they all look at me like, because they can't give up a week at yeah. the Italian restaurant, Wow. you know, and it would mean them missing school. That's another thing. They're afraid of missing school. And I say, look, I'll write a letter to every one of your professors and saying, this is an unequaled professional opportunity for this student. And I I am asking them to miss your your physics class or whatever they're taking so that they can do this and get an in with the with the industry that they wouldn't ever otherwise have an opportunity to do. Yeah. And and it's very hard. To, I can't even get students to like go on field trips because that, that's a day of work they miss. It's true. You know? And so that's why I wish I had like a Bill Gates who would just donate me a ton of money. So I could make these students whole so they wouldn't lose the income yeah. for that day, you know, that they missed to go to Great Adventure or something like that. So the only things we can really do is go across the street to Adventureland or go into New York City mm -hmm. and check out one of the interesting, you know, attractions in Manhattan. Like we did a nice trip before COVID. There was an excellent miniature park called uh, Gulliver's Gate. Yeah. Unfortunately, it kind of disappeared before it got on the radar, but they had basically taken a several store several floors of a full city block and turned it into an awesome miniature park as good as any lego land or you know and it was all actual mob it wasn't legos it was custom built models mm -hmm. of everything they had yeah. the largest indoor model airport in the world in that wow. place it was amazing <laughs> and but you know they had a they had a very expensive lease because it's right in the middle of Midtown Manhattan, mm -hmm. and then COVID hit, and and so they 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 were done they were done. Um, but I'm hoping to do a trip to Rise NY, which is the new flying theater that they just Ooh. built in Manhattan. Yeah, it's pretty cool. 
Um, I, I forgot, uh, damn it. Um, I forgot the name of the company. So you sit, you know, it's, uh, you know how, uh, uh, Soren, you sit in the seats and then it mm -hmm. rises up. So this one is you sit in the seats, right? There are two banks of seats. Yeah. I'm, I'm blanking on, it's a Taiwanese company that builds this flying theater. It's got a, it, it's got a, uh, a, a similar kind of dome, um, dome projection screen. Right, right. Uh, one of those immersive projection screens. That's a that's a, a, a concave. Right. Um, but when you sit in the seat, the the screen is actually behind you, so the seats just you get in the seat, and then when the show starts, they do that. Oh, right? <laughs> they like rotate to the screen, and now you're facing the screen, and oh, then cool. at the end of the show, you flip back. Nice. So, you know, yeah, it's so it's really cool. Plus, they have an excellent. Museum of uh, New York artifacts and a, a pretty cool like um, uh, the pre-show is 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 actually really good. You're like sitting in a subway station on subway station benches, you know, watching, um, you know, excellent projection show around you. Uh, and I'm, I have a I have a strong fascination with um, with, you know, theater projection shows, the, you yeah. know, basically show experiences that are in theaters. Yeah. Right. So I, I, you know, so I like Muppet Vision 3D and stuff like that. That's awesome. Now you, you also, speaking of IAPA and kind of themed attractions, uh, you're the chair of experience and attraction, the, the academic symposium there. And I think, yes. I think a lot of our followers, a lot of our listeners, when they think of IAPA, they think, oh, they're just, we're just seeing new trains. We're seeing new park announcement, but there's this whole side of IAPA that professionals go there to learn and um, I've actually been able to participate in the HR symposium. Uh, Matt Heller ran it, um, which was fantastic. I, I I wasn't aware that there was a a themed academic symposium. Can you can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah. So you're right. Uh, IAPA has a big education department, and so they have their constant seminars and learning experiences at IAPA that have nothing to, you know, that are not directly related to the show floor. Um, you know, which, which of course is a big part of IAPA is the is the is the uh, the commercial part. Of course, but so there are all these educational experiences, and then we're actually not IAPA. We are something called the Themed Experience and Attractions Academic Society. TEA, right? Experience. What? No, uh, no, 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 no. no something else. Right, right. Yeah, we. This is we have we have big marketing problems. Okay, so <laughs> okay, okay, fair yeah, enough. You, you're, you're referring to the TEA is the Themed Entertainment Association, and that's the largest industry association for Imagineer types. Okay. Basically, everyone who designs rides, everyone who who is in operations or management or design of themed attractions, TEA is their association, their society. And, you know, anybody who's a student out there can join. It's only like, I think the academic price for students and professors for TEA is that it's only like 50 bucks or something like that. So anybody okay. can join TEA. We are, we're something else because TEA is still an industry association. Okay. And so they're all about work and the job and networking and, and that kind of stuff. So we're, we're professors. So, and, and I, um, I would like to take the person who, who, um, who came up with the name and shake them, but I, I don't, I'm not going to, no, okay, and hopefully he's not watching this podcast. 
but he's a the, the guy who started TEA a it's T E A A S. Okay. So instead of themed entertainment association, we're themed experience and attraction academic society. Okay. Okay. And his name his name is Peter Weishar, and he runs a master in fine arts program at University of Central Florida, where he teaches people to design yeah. theming. Okay. And he's he's really accomplished and he's done some really interesting stuff. And he's a designer and he teaches other designers. And the, his designers go on to Disney. His designer, you know, his students go on to Disney and everything else, right? Right. And now actually now they have a new they have a new um collaboration with Meow Wolf. Are you familiar oh, with yeah, Meow yeah, Wolf? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Meow Wolf is now doing a program with uh, University of Central Florida and Peter Weissar's program. Oh, cool. So yeah, he's he's super connected, and you know he's he's a really cool cat. <laughs> anyway, so he started this organization, and we've just and so for five years in a row, we've basically had a one day academic symposium on the last day of IAPA. Okay. And IAPA has basically been a an extremely kind and generous benefactor by letting our little academic association have a room on the last day. So, you know, those nice rooms where they yeah. have all these like, like, um, you know, ha having HR symposiums and stuff like that. So they give us a room, they allow us to take advantage of the tech. So we have the equipment and, and screens and stuff like that. Right. And they also donate a little bit of money to us. Not, not oh. a huge amount. Yeah. But enough so that we can like basically give out lunch. Yeah. Uh, and, and and so with with IAPA's donations and with our nominal fee to attend the symposium, we, we just about break even. Right. We, we, in some years we've lost money. Yeah. So it's so we're not I, I, I sort of have a I have an issue because Peter wants to keep the cost of attending the symposium really low. I think we should raise it so that we right. can get some money in the bank and stuff. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Peter's not a I'm the businessman. Peter is not Peter's the artist, right. but he doesn't listen to me and he's in charge. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I have to kind of grin and bear it. Fair enough. Anyway, so so what we what we basically do is um we put out a call for proposals and our it's called the themed experience and attractions academic symposium. And we put out a call for some for proposals, and then people send back their proposals to us. And the best ones get to present their their research, right? It could be theoretical, it could be, it could be, um, you know, based on data. It could be, and we get all kinds of stuff. We get people who are who are interested in studying pricing. We get people who are interested in studying, you know, how do consumers, you know, react to certain colors and stuff like that. Like it's it's basically you name it. There's one guy, Joel Zika. All he cares about is dark rides. So he just like he's Mr. Dark Ride. And he, you know, he's got this, if you ever see on YouTube, I think the dark ride project, that's him where he basically sets up a 360 camera on every dark ride so that the, it can be filmed going through because a lot of these dark, old dark rides are getting torn down and he wants to, you know, he wants that data to be collected for posterity. So I really like him. So he's been a speaker. So basically the best theme park researchers and scholars from around the world you know, presented these things. And because we don't really have another, 
we don't really have another, you know, because people are either they're economists or they're sociologists or whatever. But there's a group of researchers who are really into theme parks and they kind of want to do their research and scholarship under that theme park umbrella rather than necessarily sociological or economic or whatever. I mean, it's a big mix. I mean, obviously, people have have their feet in more than one field. So anyway, it's a really good symposium we get i encourage you know graduate students to uh to to also participate so we had some really nice presentations from graduate students or recent graduates and and then it, let's say your let's say your research proposal isn't quite up to snuff then we allow people to do poster papers so basically you can put all your research findings and whatever on a big poster print that i mean this is common at academic conferences and then you then we put them all over the wall of the room so that during the lunch break, people can walk around and talk to them about their research and stuff like that. So we had a really so this was the first year that I was the chair and we had a really, really nice event uh, this past thing. And I got into it because I used to go to IAPA just as a fan and a professor. And then they started telling me, hey, you know, we have this symposium. And I was like, what? So I started going to the symposium. And then I submitted to the symposium and my, I, I mean, I, I worked so hard on this proposal and I worked so hard on this, on this presentation. So I had a really good presentation in 2021 and it was good enough. And I guess they liked me enough. And I had the, actually my presentation is on YouTube. Uh, nice. I, I can, I'll send you a link. Anyway, it went really well. We had really good attendance. It was really we had amazing guest speakers. We had, so we, you know, just like keynote speakers. Yeah. So in the morning we had Len Testa, who yeah. I hope, yeah, you know Len Testa? I don't, I don't know who okay. that is. All right. All right. Well, so <laughs> I first heard Len Testa's name. Let me see. There used to be, a, a, there used to be a podcast and it was just four old Disney guys, like talking about strategy at walt disney world yeah and one of them was len testa and i that was the first time i heard the name len testa it was the ww wdw today podcast or something oh. like that okay and it was from the mid mid aughts and then i discovered len testa the reason he always knew all this stuff and the reason he knew all this stuff was because he was a co-author of the unofficial guide to walt disney world okay so that it's that len testa if anybody's heard of him i've heard of that book and, so yes <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's an amazing book. He yeah. is amazing. And he also um he also owns touring plans, touringplans.com. Okay. Do you know that site? I do. Yes. It's an amazing site and that's, that's Len Testa. So Len Testa uh, is the co-author of the book, the owner of Touring Plans, and fortunately he and I have gotten to know each other a little bit. Actually, he came, you know, he he lives part-time in New York, so he came to my class and talked to my class about how they, you know, what determines guest satisfaction in the theme park and stuff like that. So he was our morning keynote speaker and then our afternoon keynote speaker. So I found Len and then Peter Weishar found Ellen Lupton, who is this really cool designer, like, you know, like a definitely what, what you would call a design thought leader. And she's written like 20 books on design and everything like that. You know, she's not an Imagineer, but she understands how to communicate visually so she came, she was the afternoon guest speaker and she was just splendid, just a wonderful, wonderful to, 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 to listen to her talk for an hour or what actually, no, it was only like a half an hour, but, 
each of these presentations is only like 15 minutes. So if you don't like the, you know, if you don't like the presentation, you know, you, you know, you can know 15 minutes from now, something you may, you may be more interested in is coming on. Right. So anyway, it was, we had really great success and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's going to lead to greater success coming this, this fall. And I hope that IAPA continues in their kind generosity to us, you know, making it so we don't lose a ton of money every time we do this. <laughs> and they're really nice. I mean, you know, it's only a few thousand bucks, but, um, yeah. you know, they have a lot deeper pockets than, you know, than a handful of professors who run this thing. So true. They, they're so kind to us. Um, and boy, the uh, catering, the catering at the Orange County Convention Center is so insanely is. expensive. You know, they like <laughs> it's like a thousand dollars for like a few pots of coffee. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, but it's like that at any at any facility where you can't you don't have a choice. You, yep. to, uh, you have to go through them. This is so, really good coffee. <laughs> it is. So t- tell people to check it out. It's themed experience and attractions academic society and themed experience and attractions academic symposium excellent i'll I'll, anything that we've talked about i'll put them in the show notes for us um now i want to kind of oh go ahead i have my twisted colossus mug just so everyone knows i am um rocking a time traveler mug today oh Oh, time traveler (laughs) nice that's great now have you been on the ride to happiness no i'm um I haven't been really international yet outside of Toronto. So well, I've got some work to do. Okay. That's my big take. And I'll, I'll we can wait for that when it comes. The, the, that was, that's my big take I was deciding, but anyway, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. So let, let's transition into some nerdy stuff. I mean, um, I, I did, I really enjoyed watching the, the great big story with, with, with you and your wife traveling and um, riding over 2000 coasters, which, at the time of the video, I think it was there was some amount. I'm sure it's it's increased by now. Um, but you guys both are over two thousand coasters um, easily. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, twenty two twenty two forty twenty two forty. That's amazing. And I and I saw on the web. I, I forgot what website you used to track your 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 coaster count. Coaster count dot com. Excellent. You're in like a, the top 10, both you and your wife for, yeah, for I think, credits? Yeah, I think six, seven and eight, something like that, or six and seven. And you do it right because you you don't count the powered coasters. Is that right? No powered. No I know. Powered. It's it's the most ridiculous thing um, that this hobby does is count powered coasters. Um, but yeah, you guys, you kind of hinted earlier in our conversation that you guys fly around a lot and, and go to all these parks. How do, you, how do you decide where to go next? Is it just... Um, you know, this, this SBF spinner is open in Japan and it's time to go. Like, what is, how does that work? Well, you know, I, you know, at first we would all go to, you know, you go to the low hanging fruit, right? You go to all the big parks right, that have lots of coasters. And then you, then, then after a while, they, they're, those parks don't exist anymore and you have to find smaller parks. Yeah. So one, I mean, one, one big thing for us was, we we went to China with Theme Park Review. Yes. Uh, that was in 2012. I'm going to have to watch the videos. You're probably in them. Yeah, one or two. Yeah. Um, you know the uh, – actually, you know, do you know Rob Alvey? Um, I've, I, I'm big, I've been a, a big Theme Park Review fan, and, and at that time, 
And early on, I would I would always follow their trips, watch their trip reports, and yeah. and bought all the DVDs. So uh, I know who he is. We we haven't personally talked outside of like yeah. DM. Okay. But yes. <laughs> so uh, well, anyway, so um, so we yeah yeah so we did a bunch of trips with with Rob and Alyssa Alvey. Yeah. Uh, I think we did a total of five or six trips with them. Nice. And our first trip with them was two thousand eight. Uh. We went to Korea and Japan. Okay, so that was our first. That was our first international trip with uh-huh. theme park review, and so yeah. And then anyway, and they, and but you go with theme park review, and they basically take care of everything for you. Yeah, you know, from your your trip tickets and your transportation and getting around and stuff like that. They're, you know, they're they plan really good trips. Although that you know, I don't know. Since then, they've you know they've made their trips smaller. Right. Um, they, uh, I guess they, you know, they don't want to be McDonald's and deal with every annoying <laughs> customer out there. So, it's so true. basically they've kind of narrowed their, and, and I give them a lot of credit cause it's, I mean, I would have lost my mind running one of their trips cause you know, they, they yeah. cause they have to deal with so much shit and things go wrong and mm-hmm. sorry for the, can I drop S? Oh, I dropped many of those on the show. Okay, cool. Anyway, so we did a bunch of trips with them. And then eventually Cheryl and I realized like, you know, we went to, Cheryl and I went to Chile on our honeymoon, right? you know, just cause it was cool, you know, like, so, <laughs> so we both like to travel and we both like to fly and we both like to stay in hotels. So, so we, it's not like we needed theme park review, but they, we kind of, uh, we learned a lot from theme park review, but we, you know, basically we just started traveling on our own, uh, because, you know, and for no for no particular reason, you know, basically, I mean, it is a little cheaper when it's just kind of you mm-hmm. um, and you're not paying for the service. Right. And also you have a lot more freedom to sort of change plans or do things like that. Right. So I'm trying to remember what our first big anyway. And of course, when I went to Europe to work, you know, we didn't we just started traveling around Europe. So I think yeah. that I mean, that sort of got it started. But at this point now, we've been to China. We've been to China like seven or seven or eight times just by ourselves. Yeah. You know? And it does it sound crazy? Yeah, it's a little crazy. <laughs> you get, you know, you get in a, on a plane, you fly to China. And then you deal with China. And, and you know, in some cases, we've uh, we've arranged like um like you know car service in advance right and sometimes we've used like their local you know sketchy uber or whatever you know yeah and and sometimes you get exactly what you want and sometimes you it feels like you got screwed or something like that right um but overall i mean and you run into weird situations like you know china like we've been to like we so you go to a theme park in china and you're like hmm i'm hungry let's have lunch and you go to the you go to the snack bar or whatever where they're serving lunch. Yeah. And it's like they don't take cash. <laughs> and that's not right. They don't take cash. Yeah. Sorry. And so all you have is cash in your pocket. And what they do have is um, you know, they have like WhatsApp or no, WeChat and, yeah. and other kinds of apps like Alipay and stuff like that. But the problem is that the last time, you know. Every time we've been to China, you can't put a U.S. credit card on yeah. the Chinese payment app. Oh. So it's like, 
what do we do? So <laughs> all you can do is, all you can do is like tap a teenager on the shoulder and like point to the food in the picture and like point to the kid, point to your cash. Oh and yeah. Basically make it understood that, I mean, actually now we would start putting uh you know, translation in, in uh, WhatsApp. Yeah. In, uh, Google Translate. Of course. Just explain, you know, but sometimes it's easier just to do hand signals. <laughs> Basically telling the kid, we can't pay. Can you can you buy us our food and we'll just give you the cash? Yeah. <laughs> the kid looks at you like for a second and then is then like says yes. And this then is a good deal. Like you, they you like food. give them a little yeah, bit extra. Get cash, <laughs> you get to eat. So that's happened a few times and it's annoying. Now it's not that un it's not as unusual as it sounds because some places you know, that's why that's why a lot of theme parks and places in general have like tickets or tokens because mm -hmm. they want all the cash in one place. Yeah. Instead of having cash out at every food outlet. Yeah. They'd rather have to buy like thing. a token or a ticket so that yeah. they can control the one cash place. And right. that way only tickets and, you know, so that, you know, that's not that's not that unusual. It's kind of like the same. It's kind of like the same, you know, what concept, yeah. I think. Right. Um, so it's but I uh, anyway. So yeah, we've gotten like, I don't know, 200 plus credits in China. And sometimes you're like, this thing is, this whole roller coaster is about to fall over. <laughs> and sometimes you're like, this is the coolest Intamin that no one's ever ridden before, you know, because yeah. they're building all kinds of crap out there. I mean, China is, you know, China's population is four times the size of the United States population. Right. And, and you know, how we've been buying, you know, we've been buying everything from, you know, you name it we've been buying it from China for the last 25 years. Right. And so the Chinese have become wealthier over the <laughs> last quarter century, which means that now there's a big Chinese middle class that didn't exist mm -hmm. back in the eighties. Uh, uh, and so those anyway, so now uh, those Chinese people want to go to movies and go to amusement parks and, and engage in leisure activities, you know, wh whereas before, you know, it was much more of a subsistence economy where you, you know, you, you just needed to make enough money to like have food, clothing and shelter. Right. But now Chinese people have, uh, you know, have have a um, discretionary income. So they've been building theme parks like crazy. <laughs> now, they've probably been overbuilding because yeah. like we went to one theme park and it was just literally empty. Like it wasn't it wasn't open. It was, yeah. a, it was a full theme park. It wasn't I wouldn't say it was a great theme park. Right. But there were rides. And. You could see it was just not quite finished. Mm. It was not quite finished. You know, thin layer of dust all over everything. Yeah. And one security guard sit, sitting at the front of the park, basically to tell you, not open. Was anybody working on it? Nope. Like it oh, was wow. just sitting there. Like it wasn't getting finished. It was just sitting there. And that was weird. And I took some <laughs> photos and I don't know that it ever opened. I, I, I haven't looked back, but, and that was some years ago. Yeah. You know, and and we don't and people say to us, well, that's a stupid like, why would you just go to theme parks? You're missing you're missing the rest of the country. And it's true that so I that's a fair point. And so we do try to do the uh, some of the cultural stuff. So like, you know, uh, the Alvies and theme park review, we went to the Great Wall of China, which was awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then Cheryl and I, when we went to uh Chongqing which is like this big south central city yeah that's near the um 
that's near the the terracotta warriors right you know the terracotta warriors i do yeah so yeah so like we you know hired a guide or a car or whatever and he drove us whatever it was the 45 minutes and we got to go through it and, and you know but that is and that's a huge tourist area right and there are tons of tourists and the tourists are chinese tour mostly chinese tourists yeah but also tourists from all over the world but when you go to a theme park like a kind of middle of the road theme park there aren't a lot of foreigners there right and you know and the foreigners you do run into are like from russia you know like they're yeah. not even you know you don't see like joe from kentucky you know, <laughs> no. China, right Right. So, so we've had, you know, and, and we've had amazing experiences at these places, really cool parks, really cool rides, some terrible parks, some terrible rides. And, and you you find that all over the world. I mean, look, look around the United States. There are some terrible parks. Oh yeah. I mean, I find every park has its charm, you know, it does. you go to some parks and they're totally run down and no one's ever put a dime of maintenance in or, or no one's made any attempt to refurbish. I mean, which is the, Obviously, the lesson from Disney and Universal and Legoland is you got to keep the park looking new every day. You know, yeah. it just, you have to dump that money in and people, they don't like it when they come in and they see paint peeling and they see garbage. I mean, that's that's a really important part of this business. And Disney, Universal, et cetera, you know, they've shown like you got to keep you got to keep investing. You right. got to keep putting money in. I mean, some, you know, Legoland is more Legoland and Merlin, you know, they're right. more, um, you know, they, they, they have a tendency to kind of leave the park as it is for mm -hmm. a few years. They're yeah. just, they just, um, they're, um, there's less frequency in, in terms of putting in new attractions, but they right. do occasionally put in new attractions. So I'm not saying like every park in America has to put in a new attraction every year, but you know, they do, they, they do things like, Remember when they were putting um, VR goggles on every roller coaster? Everything. You know, yeah. That was a way to create a new experience mm -hmm. to get people to buy another annual pass this year to, you know, to get people to make a bit. So you got to do something and, yeah. you, and, and you got to show that you, that you, that you care about the park and you want it to look nice. And some parks do that really well. Some parks don't. Unfortunately, it's no fun seeing a park in decay, mm -hmm. obviously. And, and there, it's a shame because there are some parks that, you know, have fallen into decay that really like, I don't, have you ever been to uh you ever been to Lakeside in Denver? Yes. And that's a perfect example. It's uh yeah. you can tell the bones are there, but it's like, why is there a pile of trash next to this beautiful roller coaster station? They, yeah. They, they, <laughs> they have that gorgeous art deco yeah. uh, architecture on all those ride booths. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's just rotting away. And I think that it, again, this is why, this is why family parks, you know, die out because they just don't have those deep pockets. Right. The park doesn't generate enough fun, you know, enough mm -hmm. funds by itself to, to pay for massive infrastructural improvements. Right. And I guess they don't want to, they don't want to go to a banker or, or whatever, you know, and they, yeah. and cause it's not like, uh, you know, what say whatever, you know, it's not like Elitch's, is such a mind-blowing <laughs> improve, you know, like no. Elitch just isn't so great <laughs> no. that you would say, I mean, and nothing, nothing against Elitch's, but it's not like, you know, oh, wow, Elitch's is amazing, you know, because yeah. it's kind of not. 
So, but yeah. although I I love that Meow Wolf Dark Ride. It's wild. Universe. Yeah, I love I love that they did that. Yeah. And I I think I I don't know. I I don't know. I've certainly heard that Elitches might be going away. Right. Um because I guess the the original it's not, you know, it's the, it's not the original location, right? So yeah. the original location the land became too valuable. So they moved it to another place where the land is becoming too valuable <laughs> to, to, to leave a, a theme park there. So, um, you know, Lakeside might be the only game in town. Who know, I don't know. It's true. It, it, yeah. It, who knows? But anything can happen. Now, um, I don't get the opportunity to talk to somebody who has over 2000 credits and, and is, is as world traveled as you. Um, I got to ask, like, just basics of like, what are some of the best coasters you've ridden? What are some of the best parks you've ridden? Like, what are some of the best hits of just traveling the world and riding coasters? <laughs> All right. I'm, it's easier for me to talk about parks. Okay. Because, because that's a much shorter list than the, than the list of coasters. Let's do so, parks. I, so here. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll say first that, you know, because people ask me, what are your top 10 all the time? And and I and I think I have a top 10 somewhere. I don't know. Somewhere. Yeah, but in there. the truth is you ride you ride enough rides and you get to my age. Like, I'm sure like you're you know, how your parents are losing their memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Right. And <laughs> and I've had my head knocked into over the head over the shoulder restraints. Right. Times. A few so too many SLCs. Definitely some some brain damage right. from some of these rides, especially in China. Right. So, so it's hard. It's just harder for me to, I break it down. This is one reason I take a lot of photos at theme mm-hmm. parks. I try to just take photos because that ends up being my memory yeah. of, you know, cause otherwise I can't remember that I even went somewhere. Cause then I ha- I got to go look. And anyway, if people want to check out, I've got about a hundred thousand photos on Flickr, wow. uh, which is, you know, Flickr is F L I C K R. And they can look under my name or my handle. Uh, my handle is M-I-L-S-T-1. And I think if you just do Martin Lewis and Flickr, it probably comes up. Um, and people can see, and it's it's organized by trip. It's chronological. Um, but uh, I try to tag every photo. And it's, you know, obviously I have a long way to go with 100,000 right. photos. But, um, <laughs> but I... Uh, Every so often, I I look and see what photos people have looked at because you can see the stats. And then whenever I see a photo that doesn't have a label or explain where it is, so I try to go and fill in all those gaps. So anyway, that's an ongoing project. But in terms of like the greatest parks in the world, I'm gonna let's start with Europe. Okay. I think Europe is definitely the easiest sort of easiest place to go for most North Americans. Mm-hmm. And my and my message for any casual roller coaster enthusiast is yeah i mean you know how people make fun of the guy who has only been to cedar point and king's island and kennywood and he lives in his mother's basement right. so that i'm talking to that guy and <laughs> which and, is most of know, us <laughs> what which right. is most of our listeners i understand i understand <laughs> and again i i recognize the the coming from a position of privilege i'll i'll always acknowledge that right right um, but if you can make it your business as a goal, a life goal, a year goal, whatever, and that's to get on a plane and just go go somewhere else out of the country. Right. And 
most people are, I mean, if you, so a lot of people start with England, uh, Canada, right? Right. A lot of people start with Canada and, you know, Canada's Wonderland is great. And La Ronde is great. I really like those parks and you can use your Cedar Fair Six Flags Annual Pass <laughs> right. most of the time. Um, not always. Like we once, we once showed up at La Ronde for a special event. Right. And they were like, no, you can't use your Six Flags annual pass. And I was oh. like, what? We were like, what? You know, we were going crazy. It was just, and it turned out to be a special event. So they, uh, they were like, you know, we made a fuss. So they were like, all right, this one time, you know. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a letter to Six Flags saying, like, you need to either clear this up with them or make it clear on your annual pass fine print that it doesn't count. And anyway, so whatever. We yeah. just just trying to get in get the credit and leave anyway you know yeah it was this all-night party thing in montreal so we didn't even like we got there early because it got really crowded when we were leaving yeah like the line to get in was had to be like you know like a two-hour line of cars trying trying to get in because laurent is on that little island you know under the bridge yeah you know i don't know do you know the, the i don't know if you know the history of laurent but it is interesting. I, I find it really interesting because I'm really interested in world's fairs yeah. know, as one of the origins of theme parks. And, right. you know, the, the, um, the 1967 world's fair in Montreal is considered to this day, one of, if not the most successful world's fair in history. Right. And they built an amusement area. They called it La Ronde. And that's where La Ronde comes from. And that's where, you know, that, in fact, the, the uh, the expo was so big and so successful, you know, that when Montreal got its own Major League Baseball team, they called the team the Expos. Yeah, because that was such a big deal for them. Unfortunately, now it's you know it's now it's almost sixty years later. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that that's where Laurent came from. Laurent is the original amusement area from the '67 World's Fair. Awesome. Um, anyway, so. Right now, people, the dollar is really strong against pretty much every currency in the world. And so now is a really good time to travel to England. Now, England, you're not going to have you're not going to have any uh, language issues in England generally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, some heavy accents are hard to understand, but <laughs> right. you can do it. There are some barriers to traveling in England if you wanted to rent a car then you have to figure out how to drive a car on the left side of the road with your steering wheel on the right side of the car. And that can be, that can be very intimidating for people. Right. Um, on the other hand, there's excellent public transit in England. So you can take, uh, you can, they have trains to every, you know, from a, city A to city B, they have trains everywhere. There are buses, and so it's it's doable, and I've done it both ways. Right. Um. My my. I've even I've even rented a stick shift in England, so that your driver's side you're you're driving on the right side of the car on the the car is driving on the left side of the road, and your stick shift is on the <laughs> left side of your body. Yeah. Of course, it's funny because the stick shift is exactly where it should be, right, right. in the middle of the car, but you're on the wrong side of the stick shift. But I. I Everybody survived when I, when I did that. Nice. So there's a lot going on in England. They have There's a lot of coastline in England. So they have a lot of these kind of seaside fun fairs. They mm -hmm. call them what we would call, I, we would call them amusement parks or they're very carnival-esque. Um, 
they run just during the summer. They're not, I wouldn't call them theme parks per se, but they have a bunch of rides. Right. Uh, so, and then the big parks, the big, big parks in England. So you have Thorpe Park outside of UK, outside of London. Right. Uh, up north, you have um, Alton Towers. I would say Alton Towers is probably the premier park. It, it's, right. it used to be somebody's estate. Right. It was some Lord's estate or something like that. Okay. And so it's very picturesque. It's very, it's not, it's not high on the park. Isn't well themed. The rides are well themed. Right. So you're basically walking through trees and woods and stuff like that, which is, which is fine. Yeah. Um, That's a great. So Alton towers is a great park. Uh, You can go there and find out why nemesis is for some reason. Everybody thinks nemesis is the best, best roller coaster in, on the planet i i don't see it but it's they love it they love it so much you gotta go check it out yeah then there's blackpool pleasure beach okay which is the biggest of these seaside fun fairs i mean that one's enormous and it's it's very well run they have a huge coaster collection that's a great that's a great park right uh and then there's flamingo land in york or outside of york which they've been they keep building and building and building they have a booster bike. Yeah. So if you don't feel so that's an alternative to riding Tron uh in Orlando. Uh so people so I don't know. Everybody went crazy. Some people have gone crazy over Tron, how great it is. You know, the first time I rode a Tron was at Toverland in the Netherlands. Uh Tron is built by Vacoma. Right. And Vacoma's been building this model of 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 uh roller coaster for for a long time it's true it's called the booster bike yeah and you can go ride it in the netherlands you can go ride it at at flamingo land uh and it's uh i don't know i anyway they it's got it's basically a boost the tron is a booster bike with a really cool light package and a really cool you know theming and everything like that mm-hmm. um but I, I don't i don't hate i don't mean to i don't want to shit on tron right because it's a cool ride and i'm glad they built it um but it's I don't know. I'm I'm going to shut up there. So it's been around. Yeah. <laughs> Long time. I, okay, so I, anyway, go to England. Start with England. We just went to England for over New Year's and didn't rent a car, stayed in London, just took those double decker buses and those trains everywhere. Yeah. And we went around to all the local all the malls like in the London suburban area and within London. And we went to all the winter fun fairs. So they have these Ooh. winter carnivals. Yeah, I don't know why we don't do it in the United States. Like everything's shut. Only like Six Flags does a winter event here anymore, right? Yeah, and, it's weird. Um, but anyway, they basically have carnivals in the winter. And the biggest carnival, one of the biggest carnivals in Europe is smack dab in the middle of London. And it's called Hyde Park Winter Wonderland. And everybody should go because it's, it's massive. They have... That's I wrote. Um, they had the last this year. They had uh, Olympia Looping again, right? So you know Olympia Looping. It's the one that has. It's a Schwarzkopf that has the Olympic rings, right? Yeah. Five, five loops. So that's a cool ride, um, and you know, in in Europe, people here in the United States, we have showmen, right? So it'll be one showman. They own like thirty rides. 
and they go, you know, if they own more, you know, they basically go from carnival to carnival during right. the summer here in the United States. If it's a big enough showman, they'll do like two carnivals at a time, you know, like they'll have, they'll do like the Wisconsin State Fair and they'll do another county fair, you know, in Illinois or something like that, if they're big yeah. enough, right? Yeah, yeah. But in Europe, it's individual, it's like individuals own each ride. Yeah. I mean, some of them have a collection of rides, but a lot of the rides are just owned by one family and a lot of them are family rides. So there'll be like a big fair and like all these guys will show up with their rides and set up. And if your whole, if your family's livelihood depends on like this one ride, yeah, then you're going to like treat it really well. <laughs> so when you go on these rides, they have amazing light packages. Mm -hmm. They're maintained really well. They have like their own ticket booth, you know, like their own custom ticket booth for that ride. Yeah. And they just have really, really cool carnival rides in Europe. They have some of the most extreme flats. You mm -hmm. know, Germany is the land of flats, right? And they have amazing flats. They all have crazy light packages. They, they you know, it's funny. Like, so we went to the Dusseldorf. What the heck? They, we went to the big Dusseldorf fair. Yeah. A few years ago. It was kind of cool because we had other friends from your one. The best thing about theme park review was that we made a ton of friends on yeah. those trips. Uh -huh. And so we still get together with those friends and oh, we get cool. together with those friends. Like we'll be in France or Germany and then we'll get together with those friends who are on their own trip, you know, and yeah. we'll kind of go through parks together. And it's it's so much fun. <laughs> And so we met up with a whole bunch of friends. We met up with them. Like we started at uh, Hyde Park, I think. And then I think we ended up at, at the Dusseldorf Kermis. Kermis means carnival or fair, okay. uh, both in German and Dutch. And that was so cool. Like I'd never seen anything like it. Just imagine like a crazy flat. And yeah. there's like, there's no safety gate. <laughs> between like just in a way. field <laughs> like anybody could just walk in and just be killed instantly right. you know yeah because because, <laughs> because in, in i guess in europe if you do that like you're not going to collect any money in court because people will say well you idiot why did you walk into the you know the united states you sue them out of business yeah because they didn't put up a fence right and i get you know they're just you know, the United States is a much more litigious society. And, and so people get sued, you know, for nothing. Right. But anyway, I, I mean, pick your country. There are amazing parks in that country. So England, as I, I think I listed a bunch of great ones in England. I'm a big fan of the parks in the Netherlands because, uh, you know, I worked there for a few years. So right. if, if you've never heard of Efteling, you got to go to Efteling. The only thing I don't like about Efteling is it, it's so popular that it, it's it's generally super crowded. Yeah. Um, but it is open all year. So if you mm. want to go in the middle of the winter, you can if you want to beat the crowds. Um, and they have like they sell like hot split pea soup, you know, like those are the snacks on a on a freezing cold day, you know, with uh, with like a little bit of worst in the soup, you know, like it's it's awesome. Um, I love Efteling and they have some really cool rides i think my one of my favorite dark rides in the whole world is dream flight at yeah. efteling yeah check it out on youtube i i don't know if i don't know if you I've not, i don't think i've ever watched a pov you know i got to ride dream flight 
at Efteling in the same car with, it was me and John Wood, you know, John Wood, the owner of Sally Dark Rides, um, you know, cause I went, my first IAPA show was, was the Europe show in, in mm. Amsterdam. Okay. And so I got to hang out with all these theme park people and we did a day trip to Efteling and they showed us around the park and they showed us the new, you know, they, they, in Europe, it's really big to like, um, go out do a weekend with your family in like a bungalow. Basically yeah. they build little bungalows and, you know, the family can do stuff. And so they were building the new bungalow village at Efteling at the time. And they were building a new spec, a new show at the time. So they were showing us all the construction sites and showing us where the corporate headquarters were. And just Efteling is a great park. It's extremely well themed. It's, it's a, it's a Dutch national treasure. So Germany has Fantasialand is mm -hmm. my favorite park. And of course, Ooh. Europa Park right. is massive and wonderful. They do some great. I really love the uh, the Arthur ride. Yeah. So um, Arthur and the in the kingdom of the mini boys. I think it's some French literate French children's book or something. And they made a movie out of it. And so they did an Arthur ride because Europa Park doesn't really have any IP. Except right. for, uh, well, that's not entirely true because they do have their own, I think they do have their own animation studio, you know, but, uh, but they're, I think the stuff they put out is kind of generic, mm -hmm. you, you know, so nothing's caught on, you know, plus they have like Europa mouse, like they couldn't pick another, <laughs> another kind of animal, another different kind of rodent. Right. right? <laughs> so um, anyway, but Europa Park is amazing. And I think the mock family is amazing. I mean, they are they are really cool and they do some amazing stuff. And I'm dying to go to Rulantica, their new water park. It's yeah. massive. And it's just, and it looks so well themed. I, I'm just, I'm dying to go and check that out. Um, so Euro Europa Park and Fantasialand, I think are the premier parks in Germany, but there are lots of other parks that are pretty good as well. Like mm -hmm. Haida Park and Hansa Park, I think mm -hmm. are the big, are the other big standouts. I'm sure there are others that I can't think of. Oh yeah. Um, Movie Park Germany is right. also quite good. Um, then the Netherlands, you know, the big one is Efteling. It's it's a must see. And then the the other big park is uh, there's a wall, Wallaby uh, Wallaby Holland, which is in the north. Right. And it's not even in Holland technically, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, and so that's a good park. That's a good thrill park. Lots of coasters. And then the another decent park that's been growing and getting bigger and better is toverland yeah which is also uh in the south that's an excellent park um then let's keep going around belgium you have wallaby belgium near brussels and then you have bobion land and plopsaland de Pana. so i was just talking about with my students about plopsaland so plopsaland is owned by this Belgian children's television studio called right. Studio 100. And so they've they've built, God, their theme park holdings are quite extensive at this point. And their big flagship park is Plopsaland de Pana, which is right on the Belgian-French border. Okay. And that's a, that's a big, huge park. So that's the park that has the ride to happiness. Mm. And the ride to happiness really is like a time traveler on crack. I mean, yeah. it's really, so I have a big, um, if you look at that, that coaster dash count list yeah. Um, at the top is George Greenway and Richard Bannister. And right. 
Richard Bannister and I both have uh, our biggest pet peeve is not being allowed to wear our eyeglasses on the ride. Right. And 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 so, look, I, you know, I've been doing this a while, so I know exactly how to keep my eyeglasses on. And right. basically it involves putting a really tight strap onto my glasses and then yeah. they don't fly off. It'll stay. Well, you know, but, you know, when a when a 20 year old kid has a boss that says, don't let anybody wear their eyeglasses, that's that's the end of the story. And they don't it really is. care how many roller coasters you've been on. And if you're <laughs> in a foreign country, you can't even explain it to them in their language. So I kind of hate it when they make me take my eyeglasses off any park. I hate it. Yeah. And I argue and my wife tells me shut up and take your glasses off and I continue to argue. I still haven't gotten kicked out of a park yet. So good, good. we were we went to ride Ride to Happiness over the summer and they made me take my eyeglasses off and I was so sore about it, you know. And and of course I'm so pissed that I can't even like enjoy the ride because yeah. I don't want to ride blind. Right. And anyway, but it it was really intense. I will say that. The, the only time the only time anybody has ever made me take my eyeglasses off and I got off the ride and said, okay, I get it, was the ultimate in England. The, <laughs> yes. In Lightwater Valley. Rest in peace. It, it was the same thing. And this was a case where they spoke English perfectly well. And I told them, I've ridden X number of roller coasters, dude. I'm not going to lose my glasses. And they're like, you cannot ride this ride without with your glasses on. And I was like, shit. So put the glasses away. And I got off the ride and I was like, I didn't go and talk to them, but I, in my head, I was like, okay, I can understand <laughs> this policy. Yeah, this, that makes some sense. Yeah. Cause it was, it was just, that was a crazy ride. Have you, I don't know if you've seen, someone's been posting, uh, someone just walked into that area and showed what's remaining. Yeah. You know, all the remaining track and uh, it just, it just went on on the social media somebody somebody's been mm -hmm. walking around sneaky coaster i think is the name of the, the handle okay and that was a that was a really cool ride i i got i wrote it to i got to i made two visits and wrote it each time yeah. and it, it was unlike any other ride some people really loved it it was not i don't think it was safe you know it yeah. was <laughs> it was pretty insane and i guess they want to change the park to more of a children's park and and so you can't have like the most insane ride in the universe you know but i'm i'm sorry for people who didn't get to ride it because it was one of those you had to ride it once yeah no i mean i don't know some people want liked riding it over and over i mean they were crazy yeah that was nuts that was a nuts ride okay germany sweden sweden has two amazing parks on the west coast is liseberg yes which is in the city of gothenburg that's like the big west coast city in Sweden, and then across the country in Stockholm on the east is is the f very famous Gronalund yes. uh, or Greenland, and that's like the in Sweden city park. So that's that's both of those parks are fabulous. I think they both kind of, uh, you know, they're they're both like sort of uh, competitive with one another, you know. So they're always trying to one up one another, each other with a yeah. great new ride. So they they put in some amazing rides in those places. And then Denmark is another part, another country where I think they just, they love their theme parks and they build a ton of really cool theme parks. So they have like Farup Summerland. They're all called Summerland. Like that's the name of the, that's like the generic. So okay. Farup Summerland is one of the big ones. Jurs, D-J-U-R-S, Jurs Summerland is another big one. 
And then, of course, in Copenhagen is uh, you have uh, Tivoli Gardens, which mm-hmm. is the very famous, which Walt Disney visited and and inspired him. And that's a that's an amazing park. And then outside of Copenhagen is another one called Bakken, which is more rural and rustic. And that is the oldest amusement park in the world. Um, it's like the longest, it's the, it, I mean, founded in like the 17th century or something like that. Wow. Well, some of these, some of these theme parks used to be on royal lands or some Lord's lands mm-hmm. and they would open their, and they would plant gardens and stuff like that. And they would open their lands to the public. And then over time they would add things like, you know, music halls and, you know, fire eaters and jugglers and eventually things like carousels and and rides. So Bakken is the oldest quote unquote amusement park in history. Uh, wow. At least that still exists. Yeah. Uh, and you know because you know these these pleasure gardens and you know fairs, I mean fairs go back to probably, you know, prehistoric times of, you know, tribes meeting each other and trading you know, trading goods and, you know, and wives and stuff like, you know, trading daughters for, you know, for, uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying this is a good thing, but it just um, happened. Yeah. Like they would create alliances between tribes through intermarriage and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Although I'm not a, you know, I'm not a prehistoric scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but though, and then those fairs would grow around religious holidays. Mm. Um, so, so you would have, um, big gatherings at large, at, at towns and stuff like that for anyway. Yeah. The, I mean, it's not, the, the stuff is, is well-documented. Um, let's see France. France is, uh, you know, you have Disneyland Paris in France, which is really improved over time. The first time we went to Disneyland Paris, we were really disappointed. We thought it was dirty. We mm-hmm. thought it was poorly run. We thought like, we thought the, uh, there, like everybody was smoking in the park, you know, like that kind of, that, that really kind of bugged us. Yeah. But I, we've had better experiences over time and they, mm-hmm. and Disney continues to put money into that park because it, it's, it is the biggest theme park by, uh, by attendance in Europe. Yeah. Um, it'll, and then park Asterix is also in, in, in Paris. That's, you know, Asterix is a very famous comic book that I, I don't know. Mo- a lot of Americans don't know that IP, but it's, it's huge there. And then I don't know. We've found there are lots of amusement parks in in France. They're just mm-hmm. not very big, right? But they're all nice. So we've enjoyed going around France. And usually the 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 uh, outside outside of Paris, we've found great service, good food, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So we've had good good experiences in in France, and it's a huge country too. So there are a lot of parks, right? Um, yeah, there's one that we really like called. You know, we were going up to the staff. We were like, how do you say this? You know, and they were like, and we're like, okay. So they've been, uh, that's like right near the French German border. Okay. And it's it's in the, it's kind of in the hills and there's forests and they built Mm. this really nice theme park here in the forest that we really enjoyed. Uh, And they've been building out with new rides. Uh, Someone got killed there though. Um, Oh no. I think that, yeah, some like, some some operators screwed up on checking uh, a girl's harness on a drop tower ride. Oh, I think, yeah. yeah, something real. I uh, I think I have that right. 
anyway yeah that's kind of tragic but um yeah and, and, and we all know that happens sometimes it's mm-hmm. sometimes it's equipment failure sometimes it's human error you know it's it's a risk but i still yeah. think it's more people fall die from falling out of their chair than than at yeah. theme parks you know so it's true uh, yeah um people from choking you know like mm-hmm. you, you can you can die walking across the street um so france italy the big ones are um Let's see, Mirabilandia is on the East Coast, I think in Ravenna. Okay. And then Gardaland is in the north. There are these big lakes in the north. So Gardaland is on Lake Garda. Oh, That's okay. probably the biggest theme park resort in Italy, I think, because they have a hotel and all that stuff. And then... Actually, near there is another one called Caneva Movie World. So there's another like movie theme park near near Gardaland. Uh-huh. And I think Gardaland is owned by Merlin. Yes. Either Merlin or Parques Reunidos. It's um that one's definitely Merlin. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah, Gardaland's pretty big. We've been there a couple of times. It's weird. Every time we go to like Mirabilandia, every time we go to Italy. Like there's some big coaster under construction and we're yeah. like, we have to come back. <laughs> Just missed. Yeah. Gotta go Actually, back to I Italy. Think, <laughs> I think uh where am I thinking of? We you know they're building like a new mock um sorry, I don't mean to interrupt or waste time, but there, there's a coaster called Pulsar, P-U-L-S-A-R. Do you have R C D B open? Um I, I can get it. Yeah, I, I've heard Pulsar, of Pulsar. And they're building a new one of those in the States. Ooh. I can't remember where, but I just saw it. And it's basically a shuttle coaster, but it it hits a body of water in the middle. So it's it's a bit kind of it's a bit splashy. Oh yeah, yeah. Um let's go into over Texas. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, that'll be fun. It it won't be it won't be great capacity, but um but those are fun. Like we rode it in the dark and it had a crazy light package. And that was, that was actually a, a fun ride. Um, so, so anyway, that's, uh, that's it. I mean, that's most of Italy. There, there are a lot of places in Italy. Um, Italy's kind of a like renting a, I mean, we always rent cars in Italy, but in Italy, like the insurance on your rental car is more than the cost of the rental car. You know? Oh, like wow. It's, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why there, there's also a place called rainbow magic land outside yeah. of outside of rome well, that okay. was a pretty cool park am i no I'm, I'm probably confusing parks at this one see this, this is <laughs> getting old you know spain of course port aventura is just a must visit uh, especially now that they've built the second gate which is for a ferrari land yeah and then as long as we're talking about ferrari land you got to talk about united arab emirates mm. and we've been to united arab emirates three times yeah and there's still you know there's always something new that we have to go back for they have another copy of the arthur ride so in motion gate dubai in the dreamworks building is a it's called dragon gliders and that's the um how to train your dragon ride and that's the same ride system as the arthur ride in europa park and that i don't know why they can't sell Somebody's got to buy one of those in the States. No, really. I mean, I'm just yeah. saying like, if you want to like, let's say you're Six Flags or 
I don't know. Let's say you're some premier park in the States. Yeah. And and you want to build a ride that's like Disney quality, you know, for a hundred thousand dollars less. You you should probably go with mock to build mm-hmm. one of these things for you. You know, yeah. you could make up your own IP if you really wanted to, uh, or make it a Bugs Bunny ride. I don't know. We uh, actually Warner Brothers move. It's a uh, dang. It's the the new. There's a new Warner Brothers park in Abu Dhabi. That was amazing. Yes. Yeah. You I can't really, remember the name of it, but yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna. I can't help myself. Sorry. Oh, you're good. No, I remember. Um, Warner Brothers World Abu Dhabi. Boy, that was that was tough. <laughs> yeah, that was that's a cool park. Um, they've got like a whole Fred Flintstone land, you know, like they've oh. got a Fred Flintstone <laughs> uh, water dark ride, right? I mean, mm-hmm. classic IP. That's amazing. You know, it's weird. You will find some weird ass IP out there, like especially yeah. in uh, in Dubai. Um, uh, they had a, there's a there's a Green Hornet roller coaster at Motion Gate. <laughs> Yep. Uh, there's a Ghostbusters dark ride at Motion nice. Gate. Yeah. There's a what's the vampire uh animated vampire franchise? Um, like um Steve, Steve Buscemi, uh Hotel Transylvania. Yes, yes. Yeah, so there's a Hotel Transylvania <laughs> dark ride at Motion Gate. You've got the um what is it, the um the the, the movies with, with Katniss. Um oh yeah, there's a right. The Motion Gate has the uh has the um, Hunger Games, Hunger Games, roller coaster, <laughs> and a flying theater. Um, Isn't there a whole indoor section of um, just? I'm thinking of a lion. Um, a lion. I think it's just most gate. Um, why am I thinking of a lion? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I There's remember. some sort of motion gate lion that I can't think of what the movie's okay. from. <laughs> Madagascar, maybe. I don't remember. Again, I. I opened my photos in order to to my memory. Although I I'm pissed off because I didn't take pictures of the hotel Transylvania. And I, you know, I didn't take enough pictures. I took some pictures of the, uh, I took some pictures of the green Hornet ride. Yes. Cause they had, I had a friend who worked on that park. I have a friend. Right. He's a really interesting guy. He worked on, I met him on a TPR trip to China and he helped, he built a, he was in the he was in the crew for um he started at Universal Orlando and then he went went to Universal Singapore and then he did Dubai Motion Gate and th- now he's at um Universal Beijing. Wow. Yeah, no, That's he's fun. so cool. So <laughs> I so we went to Dubai and there is like the car from the Green Hornet, right? Yeah. With light, lights and everything, green lights and everything. And so I texted him. I was like, is this the real car from the movie? And he's like, yes, it is. We <laughs> found it. We found it like sitting in a boneyard at the movie studio and um, sent it off to this guy who completely refurbished it and made it perfect and stuck it in the queue for our, as a prop. <laughs> That's so, so uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, anyway, so yeah, you got to go to Dubai. Ferrari World is outstanding. They finally opened that weird that weird new coaster that was, that's been sitting um, unopened for years. Yeah. Um, Mission Ferrari, I think. Yeah. yeah. And we, uh, we really like that park. Although actually the last time we went was like the most crowded we've ever seen it. I don't know. For some reason we show up and it's a lot of these places are empty when we happen to show up. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, 
our last trip to Dubai included the World's Fair because they had the, mm. the 2020 World's Fair was supposed to be uh, obviously was can't was, uh, right. was canceled or whatever. So it was it was they still called it Dubai 2020 Expo Dubai 2020, yeah. even though it was 2021 uh 2022 so we went in january 2022 and it was just amazing we i i definitely anybody who thinks about going to a world's fair definitely um put it on your list because there's just cool stuff and you're like people from all over the world and you get to like visit all these pavilion it's it's kind of like it's like epcot but it's the real thing you know yeah it's the real thing <laughs> um you know and it and it Anyway, but, it, you know, well, whatever. It, World's fairs have their issues, but we really enjoyed the World's Fair. Um, and we got to see, like, the Black Eyed Peas. Like, they were literally <laughs> out playing, like, performing outside our hotel balcony, you know? Like, we just looked down there at the Black Eyed Peas. Like, <laughs> it's Fergie. What's up? <laughs> yeah. It, that was so that was kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, Australia is worth going to if you want, if you, if you need an English-speaking language country um six flags mexico is a really nice park for those yeah. who haven't we um we we used to before they before six flags did their whole membership thing mm -hmm. we um we used to get we would get our six flags pass <laughs> our annual pass at mexico <laughs> it was like 20 bucks yeah like, why not so cheap and it still worked in every park yeah. We were like, ha ha ha, gaming the system, you know. <laughs> but now, anyway, now, now, uh, Six Flags is gaming us because yeah. we're we're still diamond elite members, and we've never stopped paying, you know. So we, yeah. still, but I tell you, it's nice to show up at a Six Flags, never have to pay. You get like half off everything, which is significant savings, actually. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of. I mean, we feel stupid every time we see it on our credit card statement. Yeah. But then, but then when we show up at the park, we're like, "Oh, good thing we have this." You it's know? worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Martin, I really appreciate you joining the show today and and and, and talking. You have this this wealth of knowledge, uh, <laughs> world traveled, been to all these parks, teach all these classes, been on all these things like New York Times and whatever else is on the list. Uh, I'm really glad we were able to connect and and. Um, just through one tweet of you just wanted to be on a podcast. Just, Thank you for having me. You know, like sometimes I feel lonely and forgotten. And, 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 and so I put up my little call for help on Twitter <laughs> and you answered the call. So I'm, I'm grateful. I am. Um, Maybe, uh, I'd love to, I'd love to chat with your co-hosts sometime. That'd be fantastic. I think they'd be up for it. They're Canadian. So um, they would I, really dive into a, the world's fair. And, and I have a lot of nice things to say about Canadians. So there yeah. you go. Uh, they're all pretty nice too so yeah 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 <laughs> we can talk about the up. edmonton we can talk about the west edmonton mall and uh playland in vancouver um logan who is our he he lives in saskatchewan maybe only ridden 20 coasters tops home yeah. park is west edmonton mall and would probably sure. talk hours with you yeah sure <laughs> yeah well i'm sorry they just they just pulled out that shorts cop right or they're, they're shutting down that shorts cop right yeah we, we're yeah, checking that, on him daily because that was yeah. his favorite coaster right so. i'm i'm sorry about that um yeah we wrote on the yeah we've been on that one and there is there was one in mexico also uh, you know yep. similar model right yeah moving to indiana beach now hopefully it okay yeah yeah i hope uh, <laughs> yeah we like the west edmonton mall still need the kitty credit they wouldn't let us Ooh. on the kitty 
I, I wonder if he's gotten on that. Probably got on it when he was a kid. When he was a kid, yeah. He, this is yeah. the only park he went to, so I yeah. think he did. Yeah, also that water park is amazing. Actually, he should come down to uh, he should come down here to New Jersey because that you know I forgot the name of the company that owns West Edmonton Mall, but they own American yeah. Dream in New Jersey, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah, um, same I people that own um, Mall America as well, Nickelodeon yeah. Universe. Uh, yeah, I forgot their name. They um, me too. <laughs> they uh, yeah, because we did the West Edmonton Mall uh, water park. But we haven't yet done the water park at American Dream. And I've been meaning to get over there and yeah. do it. Um, in fact, a, an indoor water park is a great place to go in the middle of the winter. So there you True. have it. Yeah. You got to get over there. You're right. It's right. It's in your backyard. I, I'm from New Jersey. I, 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 <laughs> I go I go to New Jersey every week to see my parents. So, yeah. so I have no excuse. Time to go take a dip. It is. It is. <laughs> All right. Well, we might, a, I'll have... All your all your stuff in the show notes, but where can people find you to talk coasters on the on the internet? <laughs> uh, well, I'm on I'm on most social media. Martin Lewison on Facebook, M I L S T one Martin Lewison on Twitter. Uh, I have a terrible YouTube channel with a few interesting videos. Uh, also under Martin Lewison, and uh, I, I don't know that. Oh, and on Flickr, also Martin Lewison M I L S T one. And uh, I'm happy to happy to connect with people, chat about coasters, and uh, so so I, I look forward to meeting new friends. That's it. That's the show. I appreciate you guys listening. Great conversation with Martin. Great guy. Make sure you follow him on all of his stuff that he talked about. Uh, remember, in the show notes, there will be all these cool links to learn more about Martin, which you should check him out. There's a really cute video with, with him and his wife. If you enjoyed the show, we appreciate it. If you checked us out on social media, you can go to solo.to slash coastercuzzies. If you're interested um, in my recent trip to the East Coast, I am currently uploading some TikToks, reviewing the parks that I went to. So you'll definitely want to check that out. And if you enjoy the show, give us a five-star review on wherever it is you listen to podcasts. It helps people discover us, which is great. Thanks again for listening, and we'll return to our regularly scheduled programming next week.